fuck. I have a beautiful wet mouth. I've got big fucking natural tits and a gorgeous hairy pussy. <laughs> you got three out of four, you know? The United States Supreme Court has described it as dirt for dirt's sake. We describe it as dirt for money's sake. Homosexuals, lesbians, sadists, masochists, and other sex deviants. This moral decay weakens our resistance to the onslaught of the communist masters of deceit. I'm Katie. And I'm Claire. And this is You Like That? The podcast where I make Katie watch Golden Age pornography and talk about it. Hello and welcome to a very special You Like That interview. I'm Claire and joining me today is the legend, the beautiful Christy Canyon. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. We have to tell everybody that we met on a very cold, rainy night in a dark, really sexy restaurant. And I'm like, there's one more piece. Do you want it, Claire? And you're like, no, Christy. You take that last piece of pizza. And then we just started eating it together. Yeah, like Lady in the Tramp style. Yeah, I met in the middle and it was just, I'm like, here's my number. You're so cute. I love meeting you. I I love love meeting you too. I was, I will admit, I was so relieved that you said hello to me first because I was kind of fangirling a little bit and I was kind of flustered. So it was very nice that you, you were like, hi, what are you doing here, kid? Oh my God, that's so funny. And I, and I hear that, like I'm seeing a guy that I met at AVN and it's a long story, but we've been dating for like two weeks and he's like, I was so nervous. You're Christy Canning. I'm like, I'm just a geek underneath it all. Like I just got lucky in the eighties. It was like a fluke. And you came on right as the golden age was kind of drawing to a close, right? So the things are moving off film and onto VHS. And you kind of came on at the perfect moment to be one of the original video vixens. You know what? I agree with you. I did very few films. Like my best friend, Ginger Lynn, she started in 83. Mm-hmm. She she only did videos like a year into her course. She was still at the mm, that tail end of the film portion. Mm-hmm. Whereas I got in in like September of 1984 and it was all video. I did like two or three films, you know, right. and, and I didn't like doing films because they're like, you can't make mistakes. And I'm like, <gasps> I'll always make mistakes. I do. Now that you told me I can't, now I'm really going to like flub up my lines because the deal was like film, you couldn't just rewind like video. Right. So I doing video better. A, I could give two shits about like high def or whatever. I, you know, at 18, you're like, I'm I don't even know what that means. I like doing videos because yeah. it was just a little more, they were so uptight about like, if you messed up a line, ah, oh, we got to retake that, ah, you know. And did you find that like the directors who were used to working on film had a different sensibility than those who started in video or was it all kind of the same? There were a few, maybe one or two that I worked for that I don't think a lot of them transferred to video when I was in it. Okay. I think there was such an influx. A lot of the, this is just my recollection. A lot of people that were doing those huge films, like the Mitchell brothers, mm-hmm. they didn't even get into video to my knowledge. Oh, okay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. A lot of them like uh, Dom and or whoever did deep throat. Domiano, yeah. Domiano, something. 
I don't think he ever did video. So a, a big chunk to my recollection, which was almost 40 years ago, a lot of them didn't even go into video. Okay. I think, you know, I got a lot of video directors, you know, like I don't remember. There may have been one or two that, you know, tried to boast how they were doing films before. And I'm just thinking, who gives a fuck? I'm going to get my $500. Like, let's get the money. You know, it's not like we had deep conversations. <laughs> right. It was like, that's nice. Pay me. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. who do I fuck? What, what wonderful girl's pussy or guy's cock do I get now? Like, I could care less about the business end of it. Right. I'm like, 18 discovering my sexuality i could give two shits if it was shot on film or video like i you know did you were you into the acting aspect of it at all like did you no no i was the worst actress like people are always like oh you were such a great actress i'm like what are you comparing me to elmer fucking fudd (laughs) like I am the worst actress. They used to have to put post-it notes on the actor's forehead. And I'd be like, God, it's great to see you out here. And he'd be like, you know, and then, so they'd always do like single shots and then, you know, a few close-ups. If it was like a sentence I could do. No, I don't like memorizing things. I am so much better just flying by the seat of my pants. I would have been great in this gonzo era. Oh yeah. Yeah. The gonzo era. That was, that started in like the mid 90s or early 90s with Gillis? No. I think Gonzo, in my opinion, kind of started when the internet kicked in. Okay. Okay, because I know I know Gillis did, like, have you seen On the Prowl? Where he, no. he goes around and he just he just picks up guys in a limo and they just have sex with a woman in a limo. Like, they just pick up people off the street. I don't remember that, but I do remember um, Ed Powers doing that. Yeah, Ed Powers, Ed Powers also. Mm-hmm. also. They always wore the black socks, and he'd go to bus stops and pick up girls, Man. and he'd say, hey, it's condoms, don't worry, you know what I mean? Yeah. And he'd have sex like on a couch with some girl that he picked up at a bus stop. You know what, that, I do, you're correct, but it, you're right. You are 100% right. But it really kicked into high gear, I think, when the internet came out. Oh, absolutely. I mean, so, like, so many things did, too. Um, I, I want to talk to you about the internet specifically later. But while we're still talking about the earlier part of your career, you got your start doing just photos, still photos, right? Yeah, magazines for about the first, I'm going to go with two months. Oh, wow. So not that long. No, maybe, maybe three, two and a half, three months, something like that. Cause there was so much print work back in the day. Yeah. They had such a plethora of magazines that don't even exist anymore. Velvet yeah. and Jug, you know, just these classic cute magazines. Yeah. You started with Jim South. Is that correct? Yes. And you found him to be, uh, or for what I've heard from various people, not just you, is that he was very polite no funny business, just like a real by the book guy. One of the greatest guys in my life. Like, and people are going to listen to this and go, oh, yeah, he's a porn producer. He was more than that. First of all, if you're going to do that, that's the kind that you want. Right. Straight shooter for the most part. You know what I mean? Yeah. Until I got into my first loop, which we'll get into. I was a little tricked into that, but who cares? It worked out. But like, there was even like, I've talked about this on something else. There was like one, it was like Christmas of 84 era, right? And mm-hmm. I wasn't talking to my family and it was like, a rainy night and it was just Jim South and I up in his office and 
I just wanted to kiss him because he was your brother. He was your father. He was your best friend. He was your agent. He was like a good man. Yeah. And I remember I like went to kiss him one night. No one was there. And I just felt this intense love for him. Yeah. Not even lust. Just it was like this gratitude that he took care of me and he changed my life. And he's like, oh no, I can't do that. You're one of my girls. I can't have, you know, I don't have sex with the tell or whatever he said, wow. whatever he said, it was perfectly crystal clear that it wasn't going to happen. And I remember I was smarting. Like I was just turned down by Jim South. Yeah. But as the years went on, I thought, what an amazing man. He could have totally taken me that night on the casting couch. Were you plied with Coke and champagne on sets or anything like that? Or was it like, never? was there any, Never. Once. Wow. Never. I was going to say never alcohol. Never. It was already okay. illegal to shoot porn in the 84 era, right. 85. It wasn't until I think Hal Freeman uh, made it legal in 1986 and then he died of a heart attack right after. But so it was oh, no. already illegal to shoot, right? Because the, the guy, they don't want to get busted for prostitution or whatever the terms were. I forget. Um, right. Only one person. One director after a shoot offered me Coke, which I said yes to, but I mean, right. out of all of the people, one. So, I mean, it was bound to happen. We're not, you know, fucking sure. nuns and priests. I mean, you know, but Correct. one person, one out of, you know, that whole first era of my career. And then of course at Vivid, nobody would ever offer you and you know they would be blackballed it's funny that you were only offered coke once because i feel like working in the restaurant industry people get offered cocaine more often <laughs> you know what i mean you're probably right i was a hostess before i got into adult stuff and i was a hostess for like three months no one ever offered me anything there either oh. maybe i just have a vibe that's <laughs> like don't try and kiss her or don't try and give her drugs I don't know. I might be a little offended now, but no, it wasn't like that. Now were people doing it on their off time. Yeah. Right. But really not on set, except this one director who's no longer with us. Love him as a person. It was the eighties. It was fun. I have no regrets. I'm not like, Oh my God, he offered me drugs. It was horrible. No, it was right. part of the whole fun of it. Yeah, and I, I'm never offended when someone offers me drugs, honestly. So No, I don't I don't get offended easily and I definitely yeah. wasn't offended at that. But no, it, yeah. in my experience, it wasn't common on sets. Now I'm not saying again when you left the set and you got in your car, you did your thing. Right. But generally on sets, we were already skirting the legal issues. And I think a lot of the people didn't want to get um popped for making films and then on top of that everyone doing coke on the set right that makes sense so going back to your first loop what before you did that loop or before you even started modeling um what was your relationship to porn like at that point like had you seen dirty magazines had you seen and had you seen deep throat or any of those movies before i got into the business I didn't really see magazines. I remember my mom used to have in probably the late seventies, like Playboy, you know, in her nightstand. Okay. Of course I was a Snoopy Snoop and I'd find it and be like, but I mean, it was so PG. I mean, back in the seventies, it was tits, you know, or like my, my parents both were uh, bookkeepers and my mom would get presents from people for Christmas clients. Da -da. And I remember once she gave 
my dad a turnaround gift for Christmas. She's like, oh, wrap this up for your dad for Christmas. And it was a Playboy puzzle. And oh, some cute. client had given, you know, and some we're up dads. It was probably 1978. And he's like, well, let's do this puzzle together. But it wasn't creepy. There wasn't right. anything like weird about it. We did a puzzle and there were tits on it, you know? Yeah. So yeah. that was my only kind of like, okay, well, there's nude people out there. Big fucking deal, you know? Um, mm -hmm. And then the only time I ever watched a film was in the summer of 1983 when my stepsister and I ran away. I was 17, a bit old to be running away, but there you have it. <sighs> and we stayed at Pervert Larry's house, which was like the perfect, <laughs> you know? And Pervert Larry, we still don't know what he did. He had a big, beautiful house in Beechwood Canyon, Corvette, you know. And so one, and we had nowhere to go for a couple nights. We're like, well, let's call Pervert Larry, right? <laughs> we get to go to things were so easy. Like there was yeah. no fear. And so Pervert Larry comes and gets us. And one night he like he's like, Oh, let's watch a VHS tape I just got. And we're like, okay. And it uh -huh. was like Hal Friedman's um, Valley Girls. And at first I didn't oh. read it. I was so naive. And, you know, and then these girls are like washing a car, whatever, like topless. I'm like, okay, it's like Playboy. And then the sex came. And I remember I was 17, but I was thinking, that's fucking sexy. They're like fucking in a car in the parking lot of a park. Cut yeah. In reality, they, you know, were probably at a warehouse in the van. You know, the outtakes were at right. the park. And, oh, let's get in the van. And then cut to... They moved the van to, you know, a warehouse somewhere in Porn Valley. So that yeah. was the only, that was the only porn that I ever watched before I got into it. Oh, wild. What's funny is I actually recently watched uh, a good portion of that one. And the mm -hmm. theme song, the theme song is nuts. I don't know if you remember the theme no, song, but it's, it's, oh. it's pretty funny. It's kind of like. Beach Boys meets the B-52s or something like kind of that staccato. Anyway, it's, it's a pretty funny, it, it's got some moments. That's so funny. The only thing I remember, and it was, like I said, 40 years ago, I vaguely remember like girls driving around in a rabbit convertible. Yeah. You know, and yeah. like something at the park and then it cuts to their fucking in a van. Yeah. There's like a part in the park where she's just talking directly to camera for some reason. Okay. And I, it's like exposition or something. And then, yeah. And then someone is fucking in a van and they're like, Oh, where is she? And they're like, Oh, they went to the parking lot. I think she's fixing her car. And then all the other girls are like, you're so stupid. They're not fixing her car. I swear. I've got to watch that again. It was so yeah. long ago. Oh my God. And many years later, 25 years, 30 years later, I was working on Playboy Radio, a little side note, and mm -hmm. I was working with Debbie Diamond. And somehow this topic came up. She's like, I was in Valley Girls. Oh, my gosh. I don't remember. I mean, again, I was probably maybe a little stoned and I was at Pervert Larry's, you know. And Sure. I mean, it was just, it was so long ago. I just have such, like, such little clip-it memories of that. Like, you know, yeah. I remember a lot, but I just remember, like, sitting on Larry's couch and watching my yeah porn and thinking you're kind of fucking hot like I don't want to fuck pervert Larry but I can't wait to go over right. my room and masturbate that's awesome <laughs> did uh so that's the only porn you had seen when you did your first loop how was that experience really scary I have to say 
It was a really scary experience. I was barely 18. I really hadn't been with that many guys. I don't know, maybe four by the time I was Mm -hmm. 18, which I know people are, oh, that's a lot. I've been with... To me, that was not a lot. You know what I mean? Yeah. But anyway, so I wasn't really worldly on sex to begin with. And then in walks Ron Jeremy and I have to fuck him. And I I liked him as a person. I I don't, he's a wacko now. I didn't know back then, you know, his little fucking Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. But like, I look back and I go, couldn't they have thrown me fucking like Peter North for the first time? Tom Iron, Dan T. And I mean, somebody like the hedgehog, you know, like it was a scary experience. Like I remember going home and like crying and I'm thinking, okay, you could do this, Christy. You could do this. You're doing it for free at a fucking dance club in the bathroom. But it was like, I knew my life was never going to be the same at the time. I didn't know what that meant. And obviously it worked out or I wouldn't be here in like a really great place in my life 40 years later. But it was like, it jolted me a little bit. So then what, um, what made you want to do another one? I had already booked two more unbeknownst to me. Jim's like, well, I did book you on two others once you're done. And I'm like, you did like (laughs) hook line and sink, you know? So I'm like, fine, I'll do them. And then I got to the set and it was for paradise visuals on Golden mm-hmm. Blonde and Night of Loving Dangerously, which they shot tandemly. It was like a five-day oh, shoot. Okay. You know, we mm-hmm. shot. And I go onto the set, and there's Ginger Lynn, and there's Tracy Lords, and there's Peter North. And I'm like, okay, this is kind of, like, I get it now. <laughs> like, okay, I'm yeah. like, it was very seedy, the loop, for uh, Caballero, Swedish Erotica, number 57. And it, oh, was, okay. it was just, there was something very seedy about it. And then, Uh you know, the next day or two days later, I go to, you know, location and it's like Bunny Blue is there. I mean, just these like fucking cute, adorable girls. Nice. Yeah. Really hot guys. And were there like, uh, were there like perks? Like, did you have someone to do your makeup and hair? Was there catering? Like, what was the, what was the scene like? Oh my God. Well, they had all of that on the Swedish erotica too. It was just not a first time experience as far as I was nervous. And then, I mean, then then run Jeremy, right? Like, okay. I guess if she could pass this test, I don't know why they'd put somebody new and naive with him. When right. there were some good looking guys in the business, but no, I got to say almost every set that I was on in that beautiful eighties era, always okay. had three meals catered. I mean, I got to the point where I'd show up early just to get that free fucking, you know, bacon or bacon and eggs. And you know what I mean? Like, Oh my God, yeah. free food, like, and good yeah. food, like home cooked, you know, like before I got into the business, I was so broke. I was eating like friggin' hamburgers at McDonald's, you know, like scrounging for that 39, couldn't even afford the 49 cent cheeseburger. So I fucking hit the lotto. Like I'm getting fed, you know, after my scene, I'd be like, how much longer till dinner? And then like another hour, I'm like, great. I'm going to take a shower. I'd have three square meals a day and they had hair and they had makeup. It was wonderful. It was almost like being on like a a Paramount or MGM, whatever. But you got naked and had sex. Yeah. Well, that sounds fun. It, you know, <laughs> it, was. 
It was. I mean, looking back, I really learned about sex being on porn films and got my little yeah. 500 or whatever. They didn't pay much back then. But it was beautiful and it was fun. And I loved the talent. We were all like this little like kind of, you know, family in a way. Yeah. So you, you're you still very close with Ginger Lynn, right? Oh, my God. But y'all are. Yep. Yeah, best y'all seem really close. Um, but working with so many beautiful women like Ginger Lynn, Tracy Lords, did you ever have to deal with like, were you competitive at all? Did you ever like have little flares of jealousy or were you just happy to be there? I never have gotten jealous because we really? all, we all had our own unique look. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like if you wanted that mm-hmm. cute little California blonde, even though she's from Chicago or Illinois, that was Ginger. Do you know what right. I mean? I didn't yeah. have a flatter chest. I didn't have blonde hair. I didn't have blue eyes. Like, how could I compete? Um, and then Tracy was just a whole different animal. She was like very sultry. And mm-hmm. I mean, she was sexy as fuck. You know what I mean? But there was no jealousy. I was very comfortable and always have been with who I am and in my own skin. And I know my role. I know my right. place in the pecking order. And and in all reality, I knew Ginger Lynn and Tracy Lords were above me because they started a year before me. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, they were a little further in their career. I don't know that I would say they're, but I think of you three as like, you know, the big three of that era. I like agree. just the top tier, you know. And um, I do agree, but I, I never got jealous or competitive with not just them, but but anybody. Mm-hmm. And even throughout my Vivid career, I didn't. Wow. Even throughout Vivid. I think once I complained to the owner of Vivid, we did like Where the Boys Aren't Six. And it was uh, Janine, Julia, Ann, and me. And the box cover was like Julie, or Janine, Christy, Candy, and Julia. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> first. Yeah. Which, and it's nothing, no diss on anyone else, but I have a little seniority over the, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that yeah. was the one time that I ever complained and it was fixed. He's like, you know what? You're right, Christy. You've been around 15 years longer, whatever the deal was. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, okay, all right. You know, but no, other than that one time, I never, never pulled the don't you know who I am bullshit. That's pretty good. I feel like if I if if I reach any level of actual fame, I would pull that constantly. But <laughs> so geeky. No. I don't. I remember years ago in the mid 90s, I went out with Amber Lynn. We were friends for a mm-hmm. minute. Ooh. And we went to we went to like a nightclub and there's like a long line, right? And mm-hmm. she's like, "Come on." And we walked to the front of the line and the guy's like, "Okay, what's your name?" Amberlynn Christie Canyon and he like looks at the list he's like you're not on the list he's like and Amber's like don't you know who we are and I wanted to die like obviously yeah. if the names Amberlynn and Christie Canyon don't stand out he doesn't right. know who we are and if you don't watch porn you really won't know who we are like I've never seen soap operas but everyone right. know, knew who Luke and Laura were mm-hmm. you know from General Hospital just because it was mm-hmm. mainstream and, and he's like, well, I don't, I don't have your names on the list. She's like, I'll have your job tomorrow. And she's like, come on. Oh my God. Oh God. Just let that big earthquake come right now. Like I was humiliated at that. I was yeah. so embarrassed. So I chose not to ever do that. The only times that I'd get uppity too, and I'll tell you this, is like if I was at a strip club featuring 
And I would say like to somebody, oh, can we have a couple bottles of water in the back? And I remember there was a club in somewhere in Ohio and the guy brings like four bottles. He's like, oh, yeah, that's three dollars. I was like, come again. Well, we charge features half price for everything. And I'm like, Joe, my bodyguard, pack my fucking luggage up. Like if you don't respect a fucking feature to give her right. water. Right. I want to go. Like, I don't need to be yeah. treated like that. I could see if I was asking for alcohol, which I never drank on the road, but water for your feature, come on. Right. And the manager came in, he's like, what's the problem? I'm like, you don't respect your features enough to give us a couple bottles of water. I, I choose to go home. He's like, fine, you can have it for free. And I'm like, thank you. I need a couple more. Like, those were the only times that I'd get a little uppity too. It's like, respect your fucking features. Yeah. And water is a very... It's a basic human need, you know, particularly if you're doing something physical. Did like you dancing. not see me sweating on your stage right. with my fucking amazing right. show? Right. You know, yeah. that kind of. So those were the only times that I'd ever pull like, oh, God. but you know what? I would have gone home. I didn't need it. I was there because I right. love it. But if you don't respect me, I don't want to be here. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. Yeah. But other than yeah. that, you know, I was always pretty just easy going, did my own thing, you know. Do you, so you had a couple of different stints in the industry. The first one was barely even a year, right? Correct. It, I think I got in like September of 84, maybe the end of August. I don't really know. And then I quit in like April of 85, took four years off, came back in 89, quit in 84 and got back in or 94 quit like came back in 89 took out a year off and from 94 to 95 came back for about three more years and then hung up my you know my video career part of it right yeah but you've still managed to be engaged in the industry in some way since you since the last time you retired like you had yeah. a radio a very popular serious radio it was show great i oh, after i quit vivid in like 97 i was still dancing mm. on the road till about 01 and then i wrote my book and then from yeah. my book i got a job at playboy radio and so i was on serious xm for probably about 17 years oh wow until that summer of like 2021 when like companies were just getting rid of porn you know visa yeah. mastercard ebay sirius xm we became like you know companies started canceling us yeah yeah what banks you, you know what hey i got a great 17 years out of sirius xm and i'll you know yeah. be grateful for that i don't it was just times change you got to learn to just roll with you know roll with the changes nothing yeah and i forever and i think you're an example of someone who's very good at adapting to changes in such a volatile like ever-changing industry but i want to go briefly back to working with all the beautiful women <laughs> uh, and all the beautiful men so obviously, like your job required for you to work with both men and women. Do you consider that sexual fluidity like part of your identity or is that just, is that just work? No, it's, it's a little bit of both. Like mm -hmm. in the eighties and the nineties and even the new millennium up until maybe five years ago, it seems 
it was kind of just fluidity or it was just a free for all. If I was attracted to somebody, yeah, let's have sex. Great. You know? Mm -hmm. And then in the last few years, there was a shift where, um, it wasn't as safe. Mm -hmm. And you know what I mean? Like I was always very safe in the business. I mean, well, in the eighties, there were a handful of people and we worked every day. No one was out there fucking anyone else because you, that guy right. pre blue pill, you had to save your fucking load every day. And there was, yeah. you know, not a lot of girls seeing clients because there was no internet, you know, and we were always, work then the nineties came and vivid was condom mandatory. And, but I noticed like in the last few years and I'll see it on people's like Twitter feed, just, you know, I'm not as free as I was just for the safety factor. Like, I feel like I dodged yeah. a lot of fucking bullets for about 30 years. Definitely. And I was going to ask you about, uh, you kind of, you answered one of my questions I already had, which was like what it was like to be, to be in that industry, you know, during the AIDS pandemic and like, how scary was that? But it sounds like. It was though. I remember in that mid eighties, it was this thing around called AIDS and you're, it, but it was called, and I'm not making this up. Don't fucking text me shit, anybody or tweet me. It was called the gay cancer. Yeah. And that, whoa, well, it's a gay cancer. I'm not gay, you know, like, and then right. when I quit in, in 85, then it started to go into heterosexual, you know, cause of the needles, okay. and other, you know, stuff like that. So right. in that eighties, when I got in the business, I wasn't worried because it was really like, oh, these, you know, gay men are catching this weird thing called AIDS. It wasn't a girl thing, you know, until right. maybe late 85, 86. I don't even know now. Um, and then when I came back in, like I said, it was condoms uh -huh. and testing wasn't even around in that, you know, early nineties era, that kind of, oh, wow. And, I know, I know, right? But, right. Um, you know, it was just, I just was in it at a really good, wonderful, safe time. That's great. Yeah. Also kind of shifting gears, speaking to the other aspect of sexual fluidity, I feel like now there's a lot of pressure to like define yourself as, you know, queer or bi or whatever. Do you think of yourself in those terms or are you just attracted to who you're attracted to? I've always said 80% men, 20% girls. I could never date a girl per se because if they're half as kooky as I am. Like, I, I, I love a man. I want a fucking yeah. man, you know? Like, I like girls when it's in a relationship, whether I'm joining in a guy and a girl or if I'm dating a guy mm -hmm. and we bring a girl in for the night. That's what's fun to me. Almost like a sex toy, if you will. <laughs> Do you, it's kind of like just like a fun yeah. thing but i have never had like a girlfriend okay i just yeah i i, I love men too much girls are just like but like you know or like ginger and i used to go to like swing clubs and it would be fun just to play around with the girls there right but it wasn't right. like i don't want to bring them home i don't want to sure a relationship i don't want fucking more drama in my life not just girls <laughs> but I've been with guys with drama too, but, um, I've always liked men 80%. Yeah. And it's who I'm attracted to. And there's no rhyme or reason. I've been with heavy set people. I've been with short people. I've been with tall people. I've been with blondes. I've been, 
I mean, there's no, it's the personality that gets me. Yeah. That makes sense. It's funny. You should say 80% men, 20% women. Cause I, I think on one of our episodes, Katie, Katie told me, she's like, Oh, you'd be a good lesbian. And I was like, well, I can't be a lesbian for the same reason. I can't be a vegetarian. I just like meat too much. Oh my God. That's perfect. That is a perfect analogy. I'm going to steal Thank that. You. I really am. Please do. Um, yeah, I'd be honored. I um, and yet I loved working with girls. Like on sets, it was fun, you know, because you got, I mean, the most beautiful girls in the universe, in my opinion. I mean, yeah, especially when like you know they put the vivid girls together, like fucking Raquel Darian. It doesn't get much better looking than her, or Janine, right. or Julia Ann, or Jennifer Stewart, or Hypatia Lee. I mean, Ginger Lynn. I mean, the list goes on. Like. That was always fun. And you came to set with your A game. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you yeah. came to set and you were ready. Like there was yeah. no like, oh, I got a floss. No, you fucking flossed in the car before you got here kind of thing. Yeah. I like that. You show up and you're ready to fuck. That's all it was. I wasn't there, yeah. you know, for any other real reason. Because it, from getting there, from being there to fuck, it was also educational, especially in the beginning. Like I'd never been with a girl before I got into porn. Ginger was my first. I'd never been with two guys before and it was in porn and you feel safe. And they, they were professionals, like fucking a porn star. You have a pro. There's not going to be yeah. any like emotional baggage or can I call you later? No, we're here for the same reason to work. And then we go home, you know, I mean, there yeah. is where I'd go home and then we'd have sex outside of the cameras, you know, and it was better. Um, Cause sure. we weren't like spreading the legs and opening up and flipping the hair back to get, you know, so I would do that a lot, you know, just cause like, I wanted to see what it was like to fuck this guy or this girl without a camera in my fucking face or a, a sea light on my puss. <laughs> That makes sense to me. Um, who were some of your favorite men to work with? Always Peter North was my favorite. I really? love Peter. Like Peter North is up here. He's just, he's my God. And then of course I love T.T. Boy, Stephen St. Croix, John Doe, Mark Davis, Tom Byron, Billy D, Jake Steed. I mean, pretty much everybody. Yeah, much that's everybody. nice. Right. Because then I got to that point, you know, where I could say to Vivid, okay, I want to work with this guy or I want to work with that guy. You know, um, like in the beginning, it was just a smorgasbord. You'd show up and you'd be like, okay, who am I fucking today? Oh, that guy. Great. Oh, I love him. Let's go. You know, there was only one time, and I don't even want to say his name on a Vivid set, where Peter North had to cancel and they're like, well, there's so-and-so. And I took one look. I'm like, no, I'm not attracted to him. Oh, wow. Just one time. Yeah, one time. That's pretty good. I know. I know. And I think yeah. I got like, you know, Tom Byron to fill in or something. I don't know. But that was the thing with me was I always had to be attracted to something with a person. And 99% of the time I was, luckily. Mm -hmm. It didn't take a lot to get me attracted to you. Right. Yeah. You can usually find something. <laughs> always. You worked with. Paul Thomas, did you work with him as an actor or just as a director? Well, yeah, that was when I wasn't too attracted. We worked together in that mid-80s era. I don't even remember right. the name of it. He was very, bless his heart, he's a sweetheart. And he probably says this about me. The chemistry mm -hmm. was not there. I think it was I Dream of Ginger, and we were on a couch. Um, 
nice guy. Mm-hmm. But he, uh, I don't give a flying fuck that he was in Jesus Christ Superstar and the whole article. <laughs> well, when the Big Dipper and like, oh God, like it just, I didn't find him. I like him as a person, but I didn't find him sexually attractive. Okay. Uh, How do you find him as a director? Because I know he directed a lot of vivid stuff. Let's just say I wasn't upset when he'd like give the cameraman. Oh, you do, Christy. See, he was bored with me and I was bored with him. There, I said it. <laughs> he was fucking, he's like, really? Again? Like, we like each other. And when we see each other, we hug and he's great. But we were bored with each other sexually. Do you know, like, right. Ralph Parfait started taking over my scenes I really don't think that Paul Thomas was into directing me anymore. And I didn't really find him that good. Right. I like, I, I gotta say and PT, I'm sorry. I remember when vivid let him go. I was like, what fucking took you so long? Oh, wow. You know? And, and Steve was like, well, his movies sold really well and they won awards. I'm like, yeah. Cause it had vivid girls in it. Yeah. I mean, you know, I don't know, but he kept him. I don't know why they ended up parting after so many years. I wasn't a huge PT fan for work as a friend going to dinner, 100%, but not. Oh, that's um, nice. Yeah. I was very happy when like uh, Brad Armstrong took over, you know, he shot a few of my films. And like I said, Ralph Parfait, it was just this freshness. It was stale between PT and me. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. I mean, didn't get- you didn't get oversaturated with anyone, you know? I just didn't get him like, he'd have this dialogue that was so like, I was writhing on the floor and I'm like, PT, what the fuck does writhing mean? And he's like, well, it's like wiggling. I'm like, great, let's go. And the scene starts. I'm like, there I was wiggling on the floor. And he's like, cut, that's not the dialogue. I'm like, that's what you're getting. I don't see writhing. I don't like, you know, like we would butt heads like that a little bit, just because I don't talk with that, you know, weirdness. Right. You don't talk like Paul Thomas. No. And he's perfect at talking like that. It's just not me. It's a very particular way of talking. I'll say yeah, that. Do you know yeah. What I mean, like analytical yeah. and esoterical and ugh. Yeah. He's an me. interesting guy. He's a really he's interesting guy. He's an interesting guy. His story is fabulous, you know, but um, we love each other. We just are working together. Wasn't the right chemistry. That makes, who did, uh, you mentioned a couple directors already, but did you have an all-time favorite director to work with? Almost everybody in the 80s. Because oh. it was like just being a kid, 18-year-old kid in a candy store. We were all just having so much fucking fun. You know, yeah. like it was like, everyone was just like, this is fucking utopia right now. I loved them all in the 80s. Like I don't remember ever going, oh, I don't like working for him. I can't think back on one director in the 80 era that I didn't like working for. Then when I got to Vivid, I really loved the director, uh, Ralph Parfait, who was somebody's son, a very famous director's son in the business who died. Henry Pichard. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. I think it was his, uh, his son. He was young and hip and in the know. And I feel like I did my best work for him. And luckily he did a lot of them. And then also Brad Armstrong did a few of them, like Nightbreed and Sex Secrets of the Mistress. It was just this young, fun, energetic energy that was constant. You know, I loved working with them. That's awesome. I liked working with 
faculty. Loved working with the others though. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. Well, that's, that's so, I feel that's so lucky, you know? And like one of the things I like, and we, we talked about this briefly when we first met, I like that you're not a, you're a success story. You're not a sob story. You don't have like a, yeah, you're not a, you're just, you're just a success and you just own the whole thing. And I think that's oh, really. completely. And like Ginger and I always say how much fun we had. I don't yeah. have, I'm not a Pollyanna and rose colored glasses. I don't remember a lot of bad things. I like a part of it is I never did anything that I didn't want to do. I never in my career did anal. Oh, wow. Why? Cause I didn't want to. Right. And no one ever was going to make me do anything or even ask me to do something that I didn't want to do. Do you know what I mean? Like it yeah. just, even in my personal life, it's not my fuck. I have a beautiful wet mouth. I've got big fucking natural tits and a gorgeous hairy pussy. You got three out of four, you know? Right. That's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> and run. <laughs> no. So I think part of it is um, that I, I just never did anything in my life that I didn't want to do. What do you think makes good porn? Like, do you want to, do you like a storyline or does that, or good dialogue or does that not really factor into it? Or do you even watch porn? You know, I have to admit, sometimes I do. Mm -hmm. And I don't want dialogue. I'm in this new generation where you want everything yesterday. Right. You know what I'm like? I'll even be in bed, like changing the channel. And I'm like, took two fucking seconds. What happened? It should take half a second. You know, I think that a lot of us get caught up in that instant gratification these days. Mm -hmm. Whereas back in the day, personally, when I watch porn, I don't want a storyline. I've got three minutes. I want to get my fucking nut off and get <laughs> on with my, you know, like yeah. I get the mentality a hundred percent, but kicking it back to the eighties and nineties, when everything was more relaxed, mm -hmm. everything you'd wake up and you'd have coffee and you'd read the paper and you'd call your girlfriend, you know, whereas now we all wake up, including myself and you turn your phone on. Yeah. What's going on in the world? Did it fucking blow up this morning? I woke up. Oh my God, there was an earthquake in Malibu. Like I, I missed the days where there was a storyline because people had time. Right. People were relaxed. We were like their dates on a Friday for some of these. And I'm going to go with men because that's 99.9% .9 of my fan base. We got them through a divorce. We got them through college. We got them through a sad breakup or their parents dying. They could pop in a Christy Canyon tape and they had this hour and 36 minutes of getting to know this kind of goofy, cute girl yeah. with big fluffy tits. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah built a relationship with us. Like now when I click onto a three minute porn before they're like, okay, time's like, you got to get your fucking nut out fast. You don't even know who the fucking girl was. Right. Yeah. That's you true. You Google girl get gangbang and you get, you know, 10,000. Okay. I'm going to go to this one. This, and you know, at the, most of the time they don't even show the guy anymore. You see him from like the knee to the, you know, chest. Yeah. Area. You don't see their head. Right. <laughs> Right. Why? And it's that whole, uh, because it doesn't matter anymore. Oh. You're there for three minutes before the wife comes home, before your lunch break is over, before, you know, you got to turn your car off. You just got to work three minutes early. I'm going to fucking jerk off in the car for three minutes. Because it's just everything in the world is so fast paced now. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. Uh I loved the era of when people took it down notches and spent time 
And it was like a romantic evening with Ginger Lynn, Tracy Lords, Christy Cannon. Oh, you know, if that makes sense, there was an innocence about it, which sounds like an oxymoron because it was fuck films, but there was this wonderful innocence about it. Yeah. And I don't know if I should tell the story. It's not really my story to tell, but I'm going to anyway. But um, my, <laughs> my boyfriend who you met, he has a really funny story. He went to with one of his buddies and his girl, not his girlfriend, but his buddy's girlfriend to buy one of your videos. <laughs> Those were expensive. Back yeah. Then. And then, but they got it home and it had you on the cover, but it wasn't you in the, like they had switched it for a different video. So then they marched all the way back there. <laughs> I fucking love that story. Hey, they were pretty, probably 70 bucks for that VHS yeah, back then. I think they all, you know, went, they pulled their money or something like that. Right. But, but yeah. Oh my God. And then they'd have to go back to the store. That was fun too. You had to work for your porn. Yeah. You had to work for things back then, not just porn. In life, you had to work for things. You had to get in your car if you wanted to meet your favorite porn girl. You had to get in your car. You had to go to her at a bookstore signing porn bookstore yeah. or, you know, a sex shop, or you had to go see her at a strip club. You know, it wasn't just, Hey, let's cam together on sex Panther, which is great. Cause that's the way our world is now. But I think that people appreciate things more when you have to work a little harder for them and it's yeah. not just handed to you. Yeah. I, you know, you're not just like, Oh, here's my phone. I'm going to clickety clack away and get a porn scene in two seconds. Like there was something fun about it. It was kind of seedy. Yeah. And I, I think seediness is a little underrated like that to me. I do think that makes it a little more fun. Like having to go to the store, being a little bit embarrassed about it, you know, like, right. like it's kind of sexy. Yeah. I think so. Like I would be like signing at a bookstore, you know, and in the background you'd hear like, uh, uh, clink, clink, the tokens would run out. And I'm like, so what's your name? Yeah. You know, the, the waffling that scent of ammonia. Cause they'd have to constantly be mopping the floors. Like, there was something very tangible about it. Yeah, yeah. So I think very visceral. Yeah, exactly. That's cool. Oh, do you ever do you ever watch your own work? You know, I have in the past. Mm -hmm. Or like if I had a boyfriend that wanted to watch it, that was always fun. Yeah. You know, like like, oh yeah, let's watch one of my films, you know, and fuck me in that same position. Cause it's a fucking ego, you know, like yeah. she's fucking Christy Canyon. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like a total ego driven thing um so i would for things like that like if a guy was like oh can we watch one of your films or, or something you know and if i like the guy i'd be like fuck yeah what do you want you want girl girl you know like at the trench coat oh we got girl girl we got boy we got an orgy we got four hour compilation you know um uh, and then i remember i think the last time i watched one of mine was God, I still had a DVD player. So it was probably five years ago and it was Sore Throat. Someone gave me a copy of it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, Sore Throat from 1985 with Heather Wayne. I think Paul Thomas was in it and, or he was the director. I forget. He was somehow involved in it. And I watched it and I'm like, I was cute. Like I get it now. Yeah. You know, like it was this cute little 18 year old with the big chubby cheeks or whatever. And these big, huge titties, the little fucking flower in my hair, you know, like people wore in the eighties. Yeah. Like, it was cute and it was adorable. And Heather Wayne and I have that goofy little dialogue. We're outside and a guy happens to stumble upon us and we both take them like, it was cute. I, I liked watching it for that. You know, I remember I was alone and I was like, I kind of want to 
want to see this, you know? And I did, and it was adorable. It was really fucking cute. That's nice. I like that. Um, when you, you're talking about boyfriends briefly, did you tend to date people in the industry or did you date civilians? Both. Both. I never dated a porn star. Okay. I would fuck them off mm-hmm. camera, but never dated. But I would date the directors. I actually married a writer in the 90s. Oh, wow. It was only two years, and I was dancing most of it. He was a great house sitter. Uh, <laughs> fed the dogs. He would walk. You know, it didn't work out. Um, and it's interesting how a couple people that I dated in the industry m- were more critical of me being in it. Oh, than weird. I dated civilians. In what like way? I was, dancing, I was still dancing when I married the writer. Mm-hmm. So it was late 90s, 97 or something. And I had stopped doing films, but I'm like, okay, well, I'm still feature dancing. No problem, Chrissy. Okay, I love it. You're independent. You make your own money. Oh, six months later on the dot, I hate you feature dancing. Ugh, I don't want you to. I'm like, well, then you picked the wrong girl. Like, yeah, don't accept, so, you know, and I found that with people in, in the business that I dated more huh. than civilians. But the other thing is too, like when I was like, you know, in the business, I didn't really, I fucked around, but I didn't really have a boyfriend because I didn't, want to have to explain myself it was just easier to go to a fucking club pick up some hot guy fuck him all night and then bye-bye you know what i mean yeah. or like on the road i would like do like lap dances and we go on the road for like a week come home for a week go you know sometimes you do two weeks in a row I was fucking horny and I would do lap dances and I just fucked the guy in the vip room i'd be like i'm fucking horny like and that was fun to me just bang them and go. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. It's great. And you know, a few I liked and I'd give them my, you know, number, but it was never my number. It was vivid. And then <laughs> they'd have to like, be told by Yvonne, the secretary. Oh, Christy said she's busy for the next month. <laughs> That's an incredible right. move. Oh, it was, I'd call her. I'd be like, Yvonne, you've got to ward this guy off. I loved him for like five days. We were going to get married. But once I got on the airplane, I'd look at my bodyguard and be like, who was that? You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Or they'd get my voicemail. Remember voicemail? It was I... like a central brain. Mm-hmm. You know, you dial a number and it would never ring to me. And then you call the number when you wanted your messages and you'd punch in your code. And I'd be like, three, delete, 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 you know, that kind of thing. So I never like really had a hardcore boyfriend Mm -hmm. just because I loved playing the field. And while I was on the road, I just didn't want to be tied down and have to explain myself to somebody. Yeah. And like call in every, you know, check in every night, like you don't have time. There were so many hot guys at clubs. I think I'd always fuck like the managers or the owners. Like why do I want to be tied down right now? I'm like fucking like living the best life. Yeah. That makes sense. You said you got married to a writer for a couple of years. Did you ever get married any other times other than that? I was married before the writer. It only lasted five weeks. Um, like as I'm getting married, I'm like, what the fuck? I was turning 30 and I'm like, oh, I guess I should get married. Sure. so cute. But then as soon as I got married, I was like, oh, hell. And I got right back into films. He had no clue who I was. That was the best part. Wow. How? How did he not know? <laughs> He never watched porn. Wow. You know, and then 
but then I remember after five weeks, I'm like, oh, and I was dancing a couple of the weeks. He's like, what do you do? I'm like, oh, I work for a video distribution. I just made it sound so boring that he didn't even, you know. And then when we were divorced, he was like, my friends told me who you really are. And I'm like, bye-bye. <laughs> Think of the great stories you could tell your friends. You were fucking married to Christy Cannon yeah. for five weeks. You know, he was just a nice guy, but, you know, just. What a gift you gave him. I know. You know. Bragging till the bitter end. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I don't know if anything long term is really me. I'm such a free bird and Mm -hmm. I don't like, I've had boyfriends, you know, for a year or something, but I really don't like it when people try and tell me what to do. I've been on my own so long and, and you can't tame me that way. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, maybe one day. Maybe, but also, why? <laughs> perfectly fine how I, like right now I'm seeing somebody, like I said at the beginning, like that I met at the AVN show. And this is the fun part of a relationship. I yeah. love the chase. I love the beginning. I love that you get the butterflies and all that, you know, and they are not complete. Once they get complacent, I'm I'm out. You're done. Um. How do you, speaking of people like recognizing, you know, who you are, how do you deal with attention and like, how do you keep your public persona separate from, you know, your private self? It just happens naturally. Yeah. And if I do see, you know, people do recognize me, I have to say they're always respectful. They're always respectful. I've never had a problem. Like, one night I was like getting over a cold and I went down to pick up food, this, that, and some guy was like walking out and he was an Uber Eats driver. And he's like, Oh my God, Christy Canyon. I'm like, my hair's in a bun. I have like a red nose. I'm like, really? And he's like, I would recognize you no matter what. I'm like, can I grab a tit? Like, you know, and he's like, no, I have a girlfriend. She'd be mad. I'm like, okay. she'd be mad. Something like that, but that was cute, you know, but but I'm always the aggressor. I'm always the hashtag me too, you know, (laughs) pulled over by cops. And if they recognize me, you know, I'm like, yeah, I want to grab a tit or And they're like, I have a fucking body cam on, but slip me your number. You know, I've had some great dates with cops. Really? Love cops. Really? Whacked out of their minds. But I've had some good fucking cop boyfriends. They're so nuts, though. Like, you can't take them too long. Because, I mean, bless their hearts. They're doing this job that when I was growing up was, you know, considered a, like they, a very esteemed job. They're just very demoralized now. I feel for them. So I, like, fuck them and make them happy and tell them I love them. And I'm like, scanner on. Let's fuck to your scanner. And they're like, breaker. Code nine, code red. And I'm like, oh fuck, right there. Like I find it a whole thing hot. I find it sexy. Any firemen? I don't think I have. Hmm. I don't think I have. Well. They're not as broken. I always seem to find <laughs> the broken ones. I'm the fucking savior. Like, you know. Two things I wanted to talk about. One, are you gonna print more copies of your book? <sighs> Probably not. Probably not. I don't think so. And I'm never going to do book two. I think I was a one trick pony with the book and it was great and it was fun, but life just gets so busy. Yeah. Books are hard. The first one, it just, it was very fluid and Victoria Paris and I would meet every day and we'd write. I was beautiful. I'm kind of over it. Now I'm totally in the 
OnlyFans and Sex Panther. And, you know, like it, when I wrote the book, it was at this period where I'd quit the road dancing, obviously before my radio, there was like this window of a year. And I'm like, what do I fucking do? You know, like, and then Victoria Paris and I started selling stuff on eBay, this, that, and the other. And then somebody was like, go to this writing class. It was great. And that's, it just happened organically with the book. And then right from the book, like I said, I got my job on radio for the next 17 years and it just, life got, gets away from me. So the book, if you can find it out there, somebody grab it. I highly doubt that I will do another print run. I did very well with it. And I don't know if I'll do book number two. I don't know. I never say never. Yeah. All right. Well, in that case, I'm going to buy it on eBay because that's like one of the few places you can get it now. And I want to read it. And you mentioned you're on OnlyFans. Yeah, where, where should fans go to find you? Um, for social media, I'm going to stick with Twitter, uh, which is Christy Canyon one one. Instagrams, they're going to kick me fucking off any minute now. I mean, it's just a time bomb, right? It's, yeah. I don't like them. I think that they're scumbag. They allow the scammers that make up fake accounts. And so like, I'll report a fake account and they'll send me, we do not find that they're motherfucker. They have stolen my photos and they've said like Christy Canyon dot three or what it, how do you not find it in violation? But anyway, so stick to Twitter because so far they're good, which is, you know, Christy Canyon 1-1. And that's also my OnlyFans, Christy Canyon 1-1. One, one. So, okay, perfect. yeah, I just, you know what? Life's just good and you just keep busy. You just, it's like a game. You just jump on the next lily pad. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like when one lily pad's done, you're like, oh, look at that really pretty little, come on, let's go to that one. And then it's just, just you know. Eventually, another lily pad will come around, but uh, yeah. Do you like OnlyFans? Love it. Oh, good. Love it. They're a little strict, but I like it in a way. You know, like they're they're strict, which is good though, because people like whatever it was, many vids. No, 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 not many vids. I scratched that. Um, Pornhub. They weren't minding the fucking store, and that was the shit storm with the whole Mastercard and Visa. So I, yeah. I'm responsible. I, I'm not gonna lie. I'll make a U-turn here and there, or do a California rolling stop through a stop sign. But for the most part, I like the law. That I grew up in an era where you obeyed the law for the most part. You could bend the rules here, steal a candy bar here and there, but you really did. So I like it that OnlyFans is strict. Follow the fucking rules don't you like the structure i do like structure they they nipped me once because i didn't know i was fucking my ass with a makeup brush who knew you couldn't use this, a non-sex toy for scenes so i'm like okay i didn't know but you know what they are on it like they will they will tag you within sec i don't know how they knew that it was a, do they have like people just watching this 24 7 but anyway I don't mind the structure because when you let the fucking walls down and you don't have any rules, that's when you get the idiots at like the porn hubs that right. allow all kinds of illegal activity. And I don't gel with that. I don't like that at all. Right. Well, kind of coming full circle, as you say, like this kind of work is already kind of. Right. Under scrutiny. Yeah, under scrutiny. Exactly. You know, so, yeah, and yeah. from day one, back in the 80s, it was the government that was after us. Now right. the government's like, who gives a fuck? You know, yeah. let them do that. They're, you know, pigs or whatever they think of us. Now I'm noticing it's companies coming after the adult business, which I find very, that hits the pocketbook more for the performers. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, everyone listening should definitely check out Christy's Twitter account. It's a very entertaining follow. Check out her OnlyFans. She still looks just incredible. You're just really, yeah, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for joining us on You Like That. And I will talk to you guys later. Bye.